Welcome back to the Jack Osborne podcast on Anchor FM and YouTube. And today's podcast is staying with the theme of coronavirus. Obviously, it's going to be a big thing about with these podcasts, especially if I'm doing some current affairs ones like I am doing today. It's going to be on the sports side of it. There is a lot surrounding what happened on Wednesday's Downing Street briefing. Of the coronavirus and the health secretary of state who is now out of isolation after being after contracting the coronavirus with mild symptoms call out premier league footballers saying they're not doing enough they should help a bit more by taking a pay cut clearly this is a, a i think is a fairly normal thing for matt hancock to say it is a lot of people have been calling for celebrity culture because we have seen the tide turn Towards a lot of celebrity culture, mainly the sense of the million billionaire employers, and yes, and but mainly the football world is seeing a bit of a tide turn. And yeah, people don't don't get me wrong; a lot of people are missing football, but I think a lot of people are losing respect for their favorite players and managers in the sense. And so this podcast it is known as should football players take a pay cut but it's not just going to be about that and the coronavirus i am going to dive into a bit more of the dirty side of football the controversial probably football is the most corrupt sport in the world i would say it's the most corrupt sport and event in the world we can obviously have our assumptions with the olympics but that could be a podcast probably for next year now with the olympics <laughs> So obviously that's been postponed due to the coronavirus. But yeah, I'll be diving into the economics of football. I'll be looking at some of the club's owners in the Premier League. Talking about them. I'm going to be looking at Newcastle's Mike Ashley, the Glazers and Daniel Levy. Who are most notable Premier League owners. And also I will be looking, obviously I said look at the economics. And I will be looking at a potential Premier League return. Because clearly it was announced today that there will be a massive financial implication to the Premier League if it was to null and void or cancel the league altogether by UEFA. Clubs would have to be paying more money back to UEFA. So it has got a mass. It's not just going to be. It's the main chunk is going to be about players. Hands down, it is going to be about players. The main chunk of this podcast will be about players' wages and how we could help communities but another issue is about the furloughs i want to mention this podcast a lot of non-playing staff in premier league clubs are on a furlough like these premier league clubs some of them are worth hundreds of millions into a billion pounds into a couple of billion actually some clubs i will have to ring check on all them and i will post them on my twitter if i get any wrong I could be guessing a Man United is worth a billion pounds and I could be literally completely wrong. So without further ado, I'm going to get into the podcast. Now I'm going to explain basically why this has happened and why this discussion amongst professional footballers and UEFA and also the UK government has become 
a life in the Patreon days. Obviously on Wednesday, Matt Hancock cleared his first down the street press briefing on the coronavirus after coming out of isolation due to testing positive with mild symptoms. And Keith Eddie simply just called out in a question called out the Premier League players. Or in a sense as well, he called out clubs. There was in the past two days before that, Newcastle and Tottenham made the news. Newcastle put players on furlough, not paying a top-up. And at, at one point, the non-playing staff weren't going to get paid, my Mike Ashley. And I'm going to jump into Mike Ashley at one stage of the podcast, then I'm going to come back to him. But these Newcastle non-playing staff, which could range from people outside the first team, it, it doesn't necessarily mean players and managers. It could be the first team physio, it could be the first team goalkeeping coach, anyone that's around the first team backroom staff on Steve Bruce's backroom is not getting paid, in a sense, of by the club. That could be like communications director, it could be the family liaison officer, every club's got one, down to the people who work in a club shop. And pretty much, it was at one stage it was reporting he wasn't going to pay him. And Mike Ashley has clearly been in, in the news due to this. Literally being named one of the worst employers in Britain. So, but then he revealed that they will be placed on the government furlough, but no players' wages will be cut. No manager's wages have been cut, believe it or not. He's voluntarily not the... He's voluntarily the first manager in the Premier League, I think, not to say cut my wages, Steve Bruce, which is an interesting thing. I think there's a bit of an issue surrounding Newcastle and all that, so that's something that we'll need to get we need to learn in a few days. And a similar thing with Tottenham, but I feel that Tottenham are using their non playing staff cut per play non obviously putting these staff members on furloughs. As a profit. But clearly Matt Hancock's comments had support from MP Julian Knight. He wants to see players reduce their pay, not cut it down completely low. So they get somewhat. But he does want to do a government like deadline for the Premier League clubs to do that. But Matt Hancock Comments got backlash of former Manchester United and Sky Sports Pundit. Former Manchester United player and Sky Sports Pundit, sorry, Gary Neville. Neville hit to Twitter with quite a feisty tweet, I would say. His, his tweet got backlash. Some of the comments was complete and utter backlash. He tweeted, I wish I was a player for 10 more minutes. The Premier League players are more than likely working on a proposal to help clubs, communities and the NHS. It takes longer than two weeks to put together. Matt Hancock calling them out when he can't get tests for tests in place for NHS staff. It's a fucking cheat. That was Gary Neville's tweet on Wednesday night following that press conference. And they clearly you can understand some parts of the backlash where he does defend Premier League clubs. 
it does prove a great point with the NHS staff testing, which is an issue I will be bringing up in a blog, which will be coming in three weeks. I have plans for that blog. Still waiting for me to develop a little bit more surrounding the NHS with that. But Neville has got a point where two weeks is not enough. But the thing is with these Premier League clubs, they're always on top of things in the sense of organising, especially when it comes to finance. These people have got financial directors, board members, and clearly I forgot to mention one thing I need to bring up because I'm so far I made him out to be a pantomime villain. But Daniel Levy has taken a pay cut to himself. I think he has taken a twenty million pay cut. So he has done something, but the profit is something I'm going to bring up later. But I'm jump back into Gary Neville's comment. It is an issue which Premier League clubs ha- can can turn over something very very quick, and the Premier League they clearly work around the clock. Premier League is known or a name called the Premier Greed. So money is everything. They know they can do something in less than a week to deal with players' wages and support the NHS and local communities. But it's delaying the process. That's what it feels like clubs are doing and the league. They are delaying the process because they know a lot of money will be lost from this and that's the problem i i would say it has ruined the premier league is a great league is the most watched league is exciting i don't think this season's been great it's the most competitive league in the world even in america is more watched the than the mls that's obviously their version of the premier league the american version of the premier league but money has talked. Clubs, Manchester City, one notably spending big. And clearly, obviously, Manchester City is a big spender. So they are like the Real Madrid's, the Bayern Munich's, the Juventus of their leagues. Paris Saint-Germain, most notably being the French, being the French league's big money spenders. But, the issues I'm getting is it is some players out there that have I'm gonna just chuck this in because I feel this needs to be mentioned very very early in this podcast is that players are willing and voluntarily doing some good. I've seen earlier that Harry Maguire is in a Man United players are planning to reduce their wages by twenty percent. And all their wages every month, every week, that 20% will go to the local NHS in Manchester. And clearly a field hospital has been built in Manchester, in the Manchester Arena. So that will help fight this virus. And Jordan Anderson are, and a few Premier League players are rounding up a fundraiser so if they do receive their full wages something is going to the health service as a coronavirus Premier League club as long as this money don't get used it can save players arses financially because they can't blow it up 
they really can't upload their money when there's nothing for them to do. There's nothing open, no pubs, no cafes, no restaurants. What they're spending their money on will be another question. Question, but that's going to be a question for another day, possibly. But clubs can work efficiently with money. I think Gary Neville's comments that the fact it could take more than two weeks to sort, they do have a plan for war, possibly. I know no one plans for war, but the shutdown of the league due to an outbreak of uh, world war. We have had, <laughs> I know it's just diving straight out COVID-19, but we've had threats in the past years from North Korea, Russia and Iran, all notably since Trump has been president, believe it or not, of the United States. They've got, to, they've got to have plans in place for another outbreak of World War. They've got to have a financial implication. Clearly a lot of money, if an outbreak of the war, will probably be asked by the government, obviously politically teams taking cuts put into the war effort so pretty much they know there is a plan in place they just don't want to use that plan yet and they should use it right now personally but clearly another thing with this the players union the PFA has opposed this most notably in the very, very lengthy statement, I just jotted one sentence down because I feel that this is something that needs to be mentioned. The PFA is a very, I would say, old man-like union. It's, it's near enough 40 years Gordon Taylor has been at the helm of the PFA being the chairman. I think his ideas are pretty dated in a sense. They, they don't, they need someone younger. I would say it's quite recent in a sense retired player. I, I I honestly I would put down Carl Isle as a players unionist. He I know he had his mentalist his own mental health issues in the past. But clearly for players union I think a new president chairman should be in a sense Carl Isle. Should be a bit more of a modern and a younger idea. And I think the actions and these comments wouldn't be made by someone like him. And also, I'm just going to look into the future. I feel Raheem Sterling should be one as well. He's got he's pretty much grounded. But these are the comments. This is the one sentence I feel I needed to bring up. This is what Gordon Taylor said in his statement. Players should speak to the PFA about pay cuts before making any decisions. And Stan talking to union is a massive thing. But if you read the statement, which I am going to put into the link of the YouTube bio and also in the Anchor FM bio, it is pretty passive-aggressive. It does call up the government's comments, but it doesn't... It defends clubs' decisions of furloughing staff when they rightly know that they can pay the staff. That's the big issue surrounding this, and it really, really... It's like playing with what clubs can do. They're like almost abusing their power. They're abusing their wealth. And you can clearly look at players on Twitter. Don't get me wrong. It's nice seeing a player having fun doing skills in their back gardens or in their private gyms. Like Paul Popper's got a little play, like a kickabout area in his house. 
a little arena. But they are getting paid thousands of pounds, hundreds of thousands of pounds a week to do that at the moment. I know Leeds has kept a lot of their players in um, a certain, another championship team. Leeds kept their players in a certain regime. I will be going down to talk about players in the championship next. But that's not happening a lot in the Premier League clubs. I think Liverpool's sort of their player status tweet out. Manchester United are keeping players bonding together, using apps, but they're not paid to do that all the time. They're getting paid ridiculous money to eat, to talk, and to do kicky, basically kicky ups in their back gardens. When that money, I, I think players' wages are ridiculous getting high anyway, but that money could be used now for PPE coming into the NHS, for more ventilators to be produced for aid to Italy if this spare money I know we've got to fight our own like war effort against the coronavirus but aid to Italy to France to Europe anything so we can scratch their back and they scratch our backs we can help bring it together because obviously what the British public's displayed and what football's displaying at the moment is selfishness towards the coronavirus and saving lives and obviously the public sense is staying inside, popular sense is money. And obviously now I think I've covered the Premier League pretty much, but I'm going to dive into the Championship quickly now as well. Championship clubs are pretty much, a lot of them can find financially su- survive. I'm talking about Leeds, Derby, Middlesbrough, um, Brentford, Nottingham Forest, Norwich. They can financially survive. No, Norwich, sorry. I'm on about Norwich. West Bromwich. <laughs> what? <laughs> I eradicated Norwich before the league continued. Sorry if there's any Canaries listening. That's just a simple mistake. But I've seen a lot of managers come out saying they're taking pay cuts. We've seen Marco Bielsa come out. Neil Harris. And... And the West Brom manager, Savan Bilic, being publicly saying they're taking pay cuts, so with a lot of the club CEOs and a lot of the backroom staffers to prevent a furlough. A lot of clubs in the championship will rely on a furlough as well, because a lot of the TV rights are the main source of income. There are a lot of small clubs now, like with the smaller financial side, like Wigan. Barnsley, Luton. I know Luton's got in the championship, but I still think, in a sense, they are mainly gate-oriented clubs. And I think with Luton, because it's such a small club in a sense of stature, they don't have the money behind there as much as like West Brom have. They they don't have a big stadium in a sense. I'm not calling Luton a small club at all. I'm not calling it as an insult. But this is going to hit teams like Luton more than it's going to hit a team like West Brom in the Championship or Cardiff. It's going to have implications towards Cardiff, yeah, because Cardiff is more like a, I'm a Cardiff fan, I'm going to say, we're more like a mid-range financially club. We're like a big club name, but we're biased, but we are a mid-range club in financial senses and the amount of funding we put in through Vincent Tan. But it's going to hit teams like Luton, Wigan, 
Barnsley a lot more. Especially Fulham, Cardiff and Huddersfield can survive off what the Premier League is paying them. And, it's, and as it stands at the moment, of what we know of, they are still going to get paid by the Premier League of this three years of parachute payments. But clearly, you can see that teams like Luton and that will probably put a lot of their non-playing staff on furloughs because probably that's the only thing they can do. I wouldn't be surprised Luton is worth the same amount as the Costa Coffee branches in the UK. Not a level of West Brom is probably worth hundreds of thousands, hundreds, hundreds of millions. Clearly a football club is going to be worth more than a coffee branch. But then they can obviously cut players' wages. They can't have players on high wages. And they can still have enough money to survive, stay out of administration, keep their head above the water, keep their transfer funds up, and still play playing staff. They can still, if that's what clubs are getting, and that's where a lot of players are getting, they're showing highlights on Sky, they're showing highlights from the BBC, they are still bringing in TV revenue. Maybe it's not as much, but it's still something at least, still something at least. They are pumping money into these clubs still and they can survive. Sponsorships are not pulling out. Sponsors are still paying them. The only thing which is, in a sense, now a small chunk, really, for these clubs, top end of the championship, is gate revenue. Which I'm slowly now going to dive into the bottom of the championship before getting into the league. With player wages cut, it's going to be something that's not an option compared to the top end of the championship for the Premier League. League 1 and League 2, a lot of the clubs do not get television coverage at all. They are... Tw- 90 set there's 60 seconds on the highlight show and quests are massive from that 60 seconds is a lot of money from but that is not the main source of income for the clubs not the sponsorship deals not the catering deals that they've got in place not the breweries giving money to them or or pumping money to them it's gate revenue simply the fans coming in. If you look at like the way clubs treat fans in the lower divisions compared to the Premier League, the sense why the tickets are so cheap, it's because they heavily rely on them. That's what the simple thing is. I know Bradford is a quite a, in a sense a big club. I will. Yeah, and pretty much teams like Bradford do heavily rely on this. But, teams like Gillingham, Mansfield, we don't want to see something like Barry happen again to teams. Especially these clubs are mainly like family clubs in a sense. They rely on families coming in. And that's why they support them and do a lot of community work. And they do not have no option, really, in having their wage cut. They have no choice in this at all. They have to do it to keep their jobs, to survive. And non-playing staff going on furloughs is, again, the club has no choice to do it. At least they're getting paid. 
a lot of them are seeing in these lower league clubs because they know what level they're in. Like working for, but clearly they're not having a choice in the matter because no one has a choice in what's happening in the matter with these smaller League One and Two conference clubs who are in the professional status. And clearly, I'm gonna move on now for the last bit, talking just a little bit about. The f- what's going to happen to money in the league, just a little snippet. This is not going to be a very long podcast, and none of my podcasts are long at the moment, in a sense. But clearly, just there is a problem with ownership at the moment. I think one of them can most, most notably be Mike Ashley of Newcastle United. He has been in the news a lot lately. Most notably, he did try to stop his staff getting paid in Newcastle. But I'm going to give a little bit of a track record of his Newcastle and Sports Direct problems. I'm going to state first, his net worth is £1.976 billion pounds he's worth. He's a billionaire of the fashion and sporting world, Mike Ashley. A Shirebrook Sports Direct warehouse... He was paying staff less than the legal minimum wage. A lot of them were paid £1 or £2.50 and less. Clearly, nothing was done. As you can clearly tell, that was in 2015. Nothing was done. And Sports Direct has clearly carried on. I think he has, he has probably moved them on to minimum wage to keep his head above the water. But Mike Ashley is quite known for doing these things. So he had issue with Rafa Benitez over transfer funding. He had issue with staff working in the stadium. But he did something about two weeks ago after the government announced the partial lockdown of the country. He tried to put Sports Direct shop staff as essential workers. Clearly, this was rejected by the government, that they didn't, the government couldn't see someone who runs a sports retail brand as an essential shop. Which, in a sense, if they did, that would be stupid, but thankfully they didn't. He saw them as essential workers. A lot of the staff wrote letters telling them how unsafe they feel in work doing that. And there was an issue where the sports direct will be putting their staff on the furlough or he will be paying them. I think they are on furlough in the Bayern Centre of Newcastle. <laughs> staff are on the furlough. But there was a lot of worries surrounding Mike Ashley doing that. This man doesn't care what he does. He knows he just sees it a profit. Like he's putting staff on the furlough. He's doing it for profit. He's not doing it to save the club. He would cut the players' wages down to 40%. He'll take their wages down by 50% if he could. Just so he can make his make it to 2 billion, probably, knowing him. He don't care what he does. And another one I'm going to look at is Daniel Levy of Tottenham Hotspur. He is the chairman. He's been the chairman for over 20 years now. And he made a profit at Tottenham of 130 Point seven million last year. 
that's their profit. A big chunk of that was their uh, Champions League final run, where they eventually lost to Liverpool. But we made that profit. That proves one clear thing. Tottenham has made money. They made money off the stadium. And only stadiums will set you back after building one, which is delayed for months of opening. You've clearly made money from it. And it is on the Tottenham website when I did my research for this. That I think about 25 million of that money was made off the stadium alone in that short period of time. 25 million of that money. The Champions League run, I think, equivalent to, I'm guessing, about 16 million of it. I don't know. I can't remember personally. Obviously, a lot of the money was gone and lost and regained somewhere else. Obviously, expenditure still counts. If you do turn a profit, you still got to spend. But Daniel Levy is put on furloughs, and it's quite clear this man's worth a one billion pounds. He's worth a billion pounds on the Forbes list. Daniel Levy is clearly he's made money. He's made Tottenham money. Why can't he pay his staff? Why do you have to put him on furlough? Why are you not cutting the players' wages? And clearly. You've got a lot of highly paid players in Deli Ali to keep them there, Harry Kane, Hugo Lloris, just Pochettino, put them on new contract to keep them there when Tottenham were doing very, very, very well. And that's the big question is why are these two owners not doing enough? I can understand a little bit on the sense of Bournemouth and Norwich. Bournemouth have established themselves as a Premier League team now. They've got a lot of good players, considering where they are in the table. Norwich are a Club that's known well by everyone. They're they're on Terry whether in the Premier League or the Championship. They can clearly do it. They can clearly pay their staff. And this is the issue which I think Matt Hancock and Julian Knight and I think the most of the British public is raising with football clubs. I know the Premier League are worried about this league being cancelled. Due to finan financial implications set by the UEFA. And this is a little bit outside the Premier League's hands. They need to keep the money to keep the business surviving, in a sense. The Premier League is a brand now, not just a league. It is a brand of football, in a sense. Fast paced competitive football is the Premier League. Silky football is the Premier League. Rough football, guerrilla football, I would call it, actually, because it can be like that is the Premier League it's all types of football in that league in some of the most unpredictable weathers and pitches that's why it's exciting it's big money for UEFA as well having the Premier League it obviously in England and the FA being part of the Confederation it, it is clear that UEFA is heavily reliant on the Premier League that's why it's set out a big money stance payout if the Premier League null and void cancel. We've seen the Belgian League cancel, Club Bruges has won the league, the two sides were, has not been relegated, two sides have been promoted, so turns a 16-team uh, league into a 18-team league next season, then four teams will go down the following season. So, we can see it can be done, they would suggest that the Premier League should do that and cancel the league. It's going to peak this virus, we know it's going to peak. 
we we got to get out of this now denial thing it's gonna peak it's peaking through europe syria might not return i know italy is slowly releasing their lockdown sanctions but it might not it might not be too safe some of the event three Juventus players have got the coronavirus and that's the most notable players it clearly is an issue which clubs will lose money due to uefa the league will lose money and uefa will have to try and gain money they are going to lose they're already going to lose a lot through the champions league the europa league the french league la liga looks like it's going to follow suit the scottish premier league is going to follow suit of the belgian league the bundesliga might have a potential of returning but i'm not going to say Clearly, players have been taking wage cuts across the world. Barcelona, Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus, all Bundesliga clubs, all the way down to League 3, have took pay cuts. No problems with that. Almost immediately, every club agreed and club players agreed to a pay cut of some sort. Whether it's 10%, that 10% could be helpful to the healthcare service whatsoever and this is why football economics is so corrupt look at the path with Sepp Blatter what's that French one's called again the old UEFA president him whatever his name is I, I, I forgot about him Michel Platini yeah that's it Michel Platini this has been clearly an issue that money talks too much about in football. Clearly, the most notable thing though with Set Blatter was the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, ending a few days before Christmas. The players won't return until Christmas Eve. Some might not return until Christmas Day. And expanding the World Cup to 60 odd teams now, and a few years after that. It's a big call, and it is just money. It's not to strengthen the competition, make it more competitive. It's money. It's talking too much in these, in these leagues, in these competitions now. Where from the past, when money was the minimal thing, and this enjoyment of football was a big thing. But that's television that changed everything. Sky changed everything, just turning up, buying the Premier League right. The football league rights as well it is just changing these players again paid ridiculous monies again paid so much they're forgetting what the real world is and i think now this this is changing the public eye completely on footballers i know obviously we can't say some players i can t- tell you that there are players in clubs that are trying to rally on a pay cut just to help because it will make a difference the little like i said it can put PPE into hospitals. It can do so much to help. And that's what it needs. And that's what basically clubs should do, regardless. You FIFA should do, UEFA should do, UEFA did cancel Euros. The Belarusian League needs to cancel because it will get Belarus worse than what it is in in England at one point in Wales, in Scotland, in Northern Ireland, in Ireland, in Italy, in France, in Germany, wherever. Belarus League needs to cancel the Brazilian League. Players walked out in face masks. 
This is money talking. This is money completely talking in football. And that's the issue. And I think that's possibly the problem with ownership as well. Daniel Levy, Mike Ashley. They need to sort what they're doing out. Because this is going to bring huge backlash for them. Especially Ashley owns other businesses. It is going to put strain on him. And that's all i got to say today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please, guys, stay inside. Follow government advice as much as you can. Only go if you absolutely necessarily need to. Next episode of the podcast is out on Thursday. And it will be the remarkable story of Elliot Ness and his untouchable hunt for Al Capone. Stay safe, stay at home, and protect the NHS, which will save lives. Thank you.